The title for tonight's message is The Things We Do for Love. The Things We Do for Love. I want to tell you a story about someone who did something amazing for love in the Bible. We're going to get to that in a few moments' time. But I want to tell you, tonight is good news. It's good news. The Gospel is good news to everybody who can receive it. And last night at about 9.06, I received a text message from one of those on our team with a couple of little tear emoji faces. And straight away, I realised, oh no, here we go again. And my first uh, kind of heart response was a little bit downcast. And uh, I thought, oh no, we had a big Sunday planned. And then I realised God's still good. Nothing changes about Him. He's still on the throne and He sees everything. And so it gives me hope to know that tonight is good news because God is good. And I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And it says in the Passion Translation, I love this message. It says, For the Messiah has come to preach the sweet message of peace to you the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. That's good news. Whether you feel tonight, you feel like I might be distant to God, far from Him, or I might feel like I'm close to Him, He's still a good God and He still loves you. And this is a sweet message because of what Jesus did for you. So be encouraged. We all have direct and full access to God. We've been in a month of full access and we're going to continue that tonight. And I want you to know that you have full access to relationship with Jesus. So let's go to Luke's account of a story in Luke chapter 19. Luke retells this story of something that someone did that was so crazy uh, for love. Luke 19, I'm going to read nine verses. This is the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus in the Bible. It's a fascinating account. We're going to read it together. It says in verse 19, uh, 19 verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Some short people can relate to this. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. This must have been terrifying for Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus in his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Verse 9, Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. This is a crazy story. This may not feel like the craziest kind of, kind of sort of love story ever. Uh, you may not really understand the context of this time, but what would happen when somebody famous or well-known would come to a region in sort of the ancient Near East, what would happen is as they were coming far out of the town, people would meet them. And the more kind of famous or the highest status of the person, the, the more famous they were, the further people would travel to walk with them. And they would come into the town and there'd be music and there'd be celebration. That fact that they had come to their town, this person. It was like this with Jesus. He was a rabbi and people knew him to be uh, performing miracles and he was coming into the town. And what would normally happen was he would stay the night or a couple of nights uh, in the house of someone quite well known. And the whole town would receive this, this, this well-known person. But we read the account of Jesus coming through and it's now He's coming outside of town. 
We know this because the sycamore fig tree, they were always planted on the outskirts of the city. You can kind of read this and research this yourself, but they had to be planted at least 50 metres away from the city. And so we read this account of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region. Now, the tax collectors were the most kind of despised people in society. They were hated by the Pharisees, the, the ruling uh, kind of class. And they were hated by the common people as well because they would, they would rip them off from their taxes and they would cheat them and they colluded with the Romans. So they weren't popular people. And so we read this amazing account of Zacchaeus. It says Zacchaeus ran ahead. That should kind of tell us something. Zacchaeus was terrified. Zacchaeus wouldn't have normally gone outside if he realised there wasn't a Roman kind of, a few Roman soldiers to protect him. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that he collected the taxes. They had to provide security for him. But there was something about this person, Jesus, that compelled Zacchaeus to run ahead. He was a little man. He couldn't really protect himself, and yet we see him running ahead and climbing in a sycamore fig tree. Now again, if we were in different circumstances, I'd show you what a sycamore fig tree looked like. It was a, a huge tree, but it had very low branches and very leafy branches. And what he did is he ran up this tree and he hid. Here's the other thing. Men of high status, as Zacchaeus would have been someone with high status in the town, even though he was despised, he had a high status in the town. They never climbed trees. In fact, there's a famous account of, of, of the ambassador, the US ambassador to Egypt in the 1950s under President Nasser, where he was in his backyard in his compound in the, in, in the US embassy. And he climbed a tree because he was trying to prune some of the branches in the tree. And it was amazing because as he pruned these branches, he, was sort of, he would now be higher than the compound wall and people outside the walls would see him and they would go, look, this person of high status was climbing a tree Nobody ever did that. And yet Zacchaeus climbs this tree, loses all his dignity. Why? To just get a look at Jesus. People, people with high status wouldn't run. If we're late, we run to something and nobody thinks about it. But people of that sort of status would never run in those days. So he was running. He was climbing trees. Again, he was risking his life without the public protection that he normally would have been afforded. And then again, Jesus stays the night at his house. At his house the notorious chief tax collector. This is an amazing story of someone who was prepared to put Jesus first. There's something about Jesus, friends, that is so compelling. There is something about Jesus that draws people in. If it was a Clifton Strengths Finders, his number one thing I think would be woo. That's not to say that because I'm a woo as well and I'm trying to make myself more like Jesus. No, that's not what this is about. But he, would, he was wooing people. The whole time he was thronged with people and Zacchaeus was no different. And he was prepared to kind of do whatever it takes to get a look at Jesus. And it's the most amazing story. He put Jesus first and he put himself second. Zacchaeus put Jesus first and he put himself second. He put his status second. He put his security second. He put his own health second and his welfare second. He put his dignity second, and he put his wealth second. I'm here to tell you tonight that we're second to Jesus in every single situation. And I'll tell you why in a few moments' time. I just want to give you three things tonight to kind of go away with based on the life of Zacchaeus. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is that he needs to be your first friend. He needs to be your first friend. Your first friend. In John 13, 35, we read the account. It says, you will love, uh, your love for one another will prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. Your love for one another, your love for the people around you, your love for your friends, your love for your loved ones, they will prove to the world you are my disciples. Take Zacchaeus' situation. Zacchaeus wouldn't have had a lot of friends and the only friends he would have had would have been other tax collectors. He was the chief tax collectors. He was the one who was the boss of all the tax collectors in that region. So again, if, if they were kind of despised, he was the most despised because he was the boss of all those that were despised, the chief despised officer or CDO. That's what he was. I can feel you laughing at home right now as I made up this little joke for you. But Zacchaeus wouldn't have had a lot of friends. He wouldn't have had a lot of people. He would have just gone to work, I'd imagine, does a job, goes home. He's got security around him all the time and he would have lived a fairly lonely existence and the only friends that again he had would have been doing what he probably did. That's a pretty lonely world that we would have existed in. I think for us in lockdown situations, I know there's a lot of lonely people and we've got to continue to, to bring people to Jesus, to bring people into community, uh, which, of which we have an amazing one. But the friendship that we have with Jesus actually helps to shape all the other friendships that we have. That's why he needs to be our first friend. He's the friend that laid down his life for you. He's the friend that goes into bat for you. He's the friend that defends you no matter what you've done or where you've been. And I love this account of Zacchaeus because what he does when he goes into Zacchaeus' home, again, that was a big deal. If you go into someone's house, again, he was going to someone's house who was kind of defiled, who was again hated by people around him. And yet people looked in and they said, see, look, Jesus is going to the house of a notorious, notorious sinner. And so Jesus puts himself in the place really of the most despised person. Jesus was a master at taking the hate and taking the, the, the flack that other people took upon himself. And all of a sudden, the, 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 uh, the hate that would have been focused on Zacchaeus, he takes it all upon himself because they say, look at Jesus. He did it with the woman caught in the act of adultery. He said, no, put, he's saying, put it on me. And he does this in the most amazing way by going to the cross for each one of us. He needs to be first because everything, everything, if it's first, everything flows from him. Everything flows from him because he's first. He needs to be your first friend. When we feel a deep compassion for a friend when they're going through something, do you know that compassion isn't something that's normally there? That compassion is because it comes through Jesus. When Jesus weeps over Lazarus and he weeps because he sees everybody else weeping in the sadness, when he weeps over Jerusalem because he knows the destruction is coming, he feels this deep compassion for people. And it's that compassion that we feel for our friends. That's why he has to be our first friend. I love this quote, Jesus was a friend of sinners, not because he winked at sin, ignored it, or enjoyed lighthearted reverie with those engaged in immorality. No, Jesus was a friend of sinners and that he came to save sinners and he was very pleased to welcome sinners who were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins and on their way to putting their faith in him. Allow Jesus to be your first friend. Second thing is he needs to become your first love. Your first love. He needs to become your first love. The kind of love that comes before all other loves. The kind of love that comes before anything the world can offer us. He needs to be your first love. In Matthew 22, 37 to 39, we read this account. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, say it with me, all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, correct, and great commandment. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbours as yourself. He needs to be your first love. 
your first love. Again, there's a reason that He needs to be first in this area. If we love God the most and put Him first, then out of that love, we really offer others our best person, if you like. When Jesus changes us from the inside out, it's that kind of love that we offer to other people. It's the love of Christ in us. That's the most compelling thing that we have to offer this world, especially when a world and all of these lockdowns and pandemics are looking for answers. And I know tonight there's people streaming in online. You're looking for something. Can I say the answer is Jesus? The answer is Jesus. He needs to be your first love. If we don't allow Him to be our first love, the challenge with that is we end up being lovers of ourselves. Again, the Bible tells us in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. Now, the problem with becoming lovers of ourselves is that we start to now dictate the terms of love. We start to dictate whom we love and whom we don't love. Then it can fall and we start to dictate who we hate and who we don't like. And all of a sudden, it becomes about what we want to do and our preferences. We also, we also want to then live how we want and we end up on the slippery slope of it becoming all about us. And somehow again, we've put ourselves first again rather than keeping ourselves second. He needs to be our first love. How we love others indicates the place that God holds in our heart. How we love others indicates what place God really holds in our heart. Listen to what Zacchaeus said in verse 8. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. I love that he actually stood up. It was almost like <clears throat> he's clearing his throat and, and, and he's met with Jesus. Jesus comes to his house. Even that would have blown him away. The fact that Jesus even knew his name, he would have been thinking. He, he, he went home with such a joy in his spirit. So he knew, again, he was in the presence of someone truly special. And he says he stood before the Lord and he addressed him and he says, I will give half my wealth to the poor. He was the chief tax collector. He had a lot of money. There was a lot of wealth that he had to give. This wasn't some insignificant thing that he was doing. And he said, if I've cheated people on the taxes, I'll give people back four times as much. He was making such a statement to the community around him that I'm a different person because I've been in relationship with Jesus. The things we do for love. What are the things that we're doing for love that demonstrate our love for Jesus? How are we changing? Zacchaeus' life is radically changed because of one interaction with Jesus. This is from someone again who loved money. That's why he would have stepped into this in the first place is because he had a love for money. He was putting money first and all of a sudden he has this encounter with Jesus, the living God, the Messiah, the one that had been prophesied about. He has this encounter with Him and everything changes in a heartbeat. Everything changes about his life and people go, this man is different. He didn't simply say to people, look, I mean, I spent a lot of the money and if I can pay you back and I'll, I'll try and do the best because they would have gone, oh, he's just talk. That's not going to happen. But he makes a statement about what he's actually going to do next because he recognises this thing that I do for love, this thing that I do for Jesus, it's got, to be, it's got to be different than what it was before. My life needs to change and demonstrate my love for Christ. He gives up his whole way of life for Jesus. It's the most remarkable story. So Jesus needs to be our first friend and he needs to be our first love. And finally this, he needs to be our first father. Strange thing to say, but he needs to be our first father. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4 verse 6 in the Passion Translation. It says, and he is, 
the perfect Father who leads us all, who works through us all, and who lives in us all. Yeah, you might notice if you're doing a little word play, all is mentioned one, two, three times. He leads us all, he works through us all, and he lives in us all. Again, I'm conscious tonight that all of us are listening. I'm conscious tonight that you may never have put a foot in a church, but somehow tonight a friend might have shared something on social media and you're clicking through it. And you're finding yourself here and you're maybe going to give yourself two minutes and 30 seconds and you're going to fill this out and see if this is something that is going to relate to me. Can I say it will relate to you? Because I've just read, He's the perfect Father who leads us in all, who works through us all and who lives in us all. I don't know whether Jesus had the type of father that was particularly supportive. The Bible doesn't really tell us about his family situation. But I'm going, to make a, I'm going to make a fairly educated guess that when he decided to be a tax collector under Roman occupation, I reckon his family in some way would have cut him off a little bit. I wonder whether he was slightly excommunicated because he's making the decision to collude with the Romans to cheat people out of their taxes and to line his own pockets. And I wonder whether his father might have cut him off and said, you're not part of us. You're not a patriot. You're not a zealot like us. And I wonder whether he made the decision to become a tax collector that his family did this to him. And maybe he was looking for some sort of person that could give him some direction in life that was different to the direction he was going in. The great thing about Jesus is that he wasn't even super instructional about what he said to Zacchaeus. He's simply saying, I need to eat with you. I must be a guest in your house. He's like, I've chosen you, Zacchaeus. Out of anybody in the crowd, I chose you. The short man up a tree that's trying to hide from everybody. Maybe he was fearful for his safety and he said, I'm going to come, and see you. I'm going to, come to be at your house. But he chose Zacchaeus. And somehow Zacchaeus, I imagine, is walking back home with Jesus. All of a sudden, he doesn't care about the crowd. He doesn't care about what people think anymore. There's just something about him being in the presence of Jesus that he just loves. And he goes home and Jesus sits with him. And he just says he feels compelled to just make this statement about, I've wronged a lot of people and I'm going to make it right. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's the conviction that Jesus brings to all of our lives. The reality is I'm not a perfect father. In my own family, I have three boys. And sometimes I respond in a way that I think that's not the most perfect response as a dad. Sometimes my wife, Fiona, and I, we say to our kids, men, they sometimes are the best of us. They sometimes make great decisions that I go, gosh, I wish I could respond like that. But Jesus in this verse says, He is the perfect Father. Best thing I can do for my children is to actually point them to Jesus. I think my kids already know that I'm not a perfect dad. I think they know I try and do my best, but I still fall short of being a perfect father figure for them. I think they realise already at the ages of kind of 13, 11 and 6 that actually the world's not perfect. There's a whole bunch of broken and busted things about it. But if I can continue to point them to their heavenly father, and if I can continue to say, he is your first father. He is the one who will guide you. He is the one who will lead you. He's the one who works through you. He is the one when they give their hearts to Jesus. He is the one who now lives in you. 
He is the one that will help you be transformed from the inside out. He is the one that when you see a situation in life and you respond out of love and out of compassion and out of mercy, it's like, that's Jesus. This is what Zacchaeus felt. He felt this, I think this father figure that come into his life and it's like, there's something about this person that's just so compelling. God is the Father, as I said before, He's the Father of all people. All people. He's the Father of the rich and the poor. He's the Father of the slave and the free. He's the Father of the educated and the uneducated. He is the Father of all. And I think, I think Paul, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, is making the point, all are included. All are part of this. If you're watching online, And you're using that phrase, man, if I ever walk in the doors of a church, I feel like I'll just spontaneously combust. You're included in all of this. This is for you. This is for you. You're never too far from His love. There's nothing that you've done that can remove you from His love. His love is beautiful. How wide and how high and how tall and how deep is it? We can't run from Him. Zacchaeus couldn't run from Him. In fact, he didn't run away, he ran to Him. He stripped away all of his dignity, all of his rights, all of his status, all of his wealth, everything he had. Because of that first behold, all things become new. And Jesus says to him, salvation has come to this house today. Jesus recognised the transformation of his heart. He's no respecter of persons, Jesus. Nothing would tend to overcome the prejudice of colour, social status, wealth, than to recognise that we all have one Father. We all have one Father. It's for all of us. And we are all equally favoured by Him. So then what are we doing to demonstrate our love for Jesus? How is our faith being outworked? Isn't that the challenge to each and every one of us? To actually do something for the sake of the Gospel? How will the world know that we love Him? How will the world know that we care about them? If we're simply like the world, then we're not going to reach them. And the challenge for all of us is to do, uh, I love this thought of doing these disruptive acts of love and compassion and mercy for people. In your world throughout this COVID time, it's crazy. I think there's so many opportunities for us, church, to continue to reach people in such creative ways. The amazing thing in this account is what Zacchaeus did was salvation had come to his house. But the whole community was transformed as a result of one person. That person was Jesus, but also that person was Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus, when salvation had come to his house and he says, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, That's a lot of money. The community would have been transformed. We realise that these people didn't live individual lives. They kind of lived in the context of community a lot more back then. This money would have sort of flooded into the local economy. People have been paid back four times as much. That was the most craziest thing people had done for them from the person that they despised the most. I love the thought that when we give our hearts to Jesus when we recognise that we have full access to relationship with Jesus. As a result of that, and us being obedient to all that God has for us, our community gets changed as a result and transformed. Man, I don't think we need to go too far to recognise that our world desperately needs Jesus, desperately needs a Saviour. 
In the song, uh, and some of you will, will know who Meatloaf is, but Meatloaf, uh, he wrote the song. And I don't want to sing. He asked me to sing. Well, the first line of the song kind of goes, And I would do anything for love. And you may know the song and I won't sing the rest of the lyrics, but he says, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I'm like, well, then you won't do anything for love. See, my challenge tonight is what would you do to be in relationship with Jesus? Out of your relationship with Jesus, how would you love differently? How has it changed you? What would you do for love? I pray that we live in a world of, I know sometimes it seems like darkness, but we can shine the brightest light for Jesus. That's not something I wanna just see on a bumper sticker on a car. That's something I wanna outwork in my life every single moment of every single day. We don't have partial access to Jesus. I love how Pastor Sam has said, this year is a year of full access. And sometimes we can think, is 2021 gonna be partial access? No, because we think in the context of our world. But Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. We serve an unchanging, unwavering God. His love for us is just so magnificent. And I pray that we can get our hearts and our heads around that and have full access, recognise we have full access to Jesus.